After last week's episode where we spoke about how income has changed lately after the banks have slashed their dividends during COVID-19, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about how you can use your family home as a source of income in retirement. We're also joined by another advisor, Anthony Malvazo, so that he can give his thoughts and we have a discussion around the different ways in which you can use your home as income in retirement. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor and if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. I'm your co-host Zach Masters and at the moment, as always, I'm joined but remotely by my other co-host Pete Pennicott. Pete, welcome. Hi, Zach. Uh, we're getting close to sort of opening up the doors a little bit, so I might be seeing your uh, lovely face again, but I'm very excited to be here and um, even more excited that we've got possibly the biggest debut to be seen since the AFL Grand Final of 2019 uh, with the, on the show today. Yeah, we've got a Marlon Pickett-esque guest in the studio, so uh, Director and Financial Planner at AJM Advisory Group, Anthony Malvazo. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach, and looking to make an, a, a splash like Marlon in the grand final. It'll <laughs> be a three-vote performance, but um, yeah, no. Norm Smith. Excited to be here, guys. <laughs> nah, so um, we were, Pete and I have been discussing for a while, potentially getting another advisor um, on the show. Obviously, we're in the same business, so we're careful of making sure that our opinions are not always sounding the same, so it's good to have another advisor with a wealth of knowledge come onto the show. Do you want to let the listeners know a little bit about your journey as an advisor? Absolutely. Uh, started at a- with ANZ in 2004 in financial planning for about 10 years and then moved into the self-employment uh, environment. Um, gave, had gained a wealth of knowledge and experience at the bank, but it was time to spread my wings into uh, out of out of the uh, into self-employment. So it's been, been a Great journey. Um, been four years now, and I run a paraplaning business as well as being an advisor. So this is where I complete statements of advice for numerous advisors. This gives me a great look at different strategies and solutions that advisors provide to different clients. So safe to say you're pretty passionate about the advice industry, given you've got your finger in multiple pies within it. So absolutely, oh, very good. So what are what are we going to be covering off? Of? I know last week we sort of had a bit of a deep dive into income and sort of the challenges we're facing at the moment, Zach. So what's the what's the plan for today's show to sort of throw to Anthony here and get his insights? Yeah, so we're going to be following on the, from that theme of income and especially income in retirement. So I know it's something we discussed on previous episodes, um, but because at the moment during COVID-19, big four banks have slashed their dividends, some other businesses may follow, some retirees may be looking for more income. Um, they might need to source more income. And we're going to focus on today's episode about using your family home as a source of income. Um, so I might kick it over to Anthony first, but what are the, some of the main options that you see for how people can use their home as income in retirement? There are quite a number of options. And this morning I went on the old Google machine because that's what a lot of, <laughs> lot, of, lot of Australians do. You know, before they speak to a specialist or an advisor or a... Myself. Yeah, I'm a Yahoo man. Search on the on the internet, and the first seven options that came up was: when you retire, you can downsize your principal place of residence and invest the proceeds. 
Second was you can sell your house and move into a, uh, a property with a lower value. So you do release some capital from your, from your residential property. The third was to sell your house and move abroad. So that would depend yeah. on where, you go, where you're going and in the current environment, I wouldn't say that's an option. <laughs> Number four was to sell your home, invest and live for, live for a reduced rent. So this would be going from a homeowner to a renter. So that's a, that's a big decision because, you know, many Australians do like, you know, owning their own home and it, especially in retirement when they've worked all their life, selling their home to rent is it would be a big decision, mm. but it, it is an option. Uh, number five was to sell your house and move in with the kids. So it really depends on the <laughs> situation might, of the kids. I might scratch that one. <laughs> number six was to rent out of space. So possibly like an Airbnb situation for a, for a house. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at that. Depends on the, the size of the property. And the, the seventh and final one was to stay in your home and take out a reverse mortgage, so to tap into some equity. So that was uh, an American uh, site, but I, it was the first option, and a lot does still ring true to to what you can do down in the, here in Australia. So yeah, and I think like that's it's a big emotional decision, and there I think a lot of those are like definitely decisions people need to work through because. I don't know. I think the game's changed. So I think the levels of income we used to enjoy uh, and quite comfortably, you know, you could do the back of the envelope calculation and, you know, whatever your superannuation balance was and draw down 4%, 5%. Okay, that's a reasonable assumption to make and you should be right. Yeah. That's going to be a bit tougher now with dividend yields going down. If your turn deposit rates are sort of, you know, close to 1%, cash rates near zero, potentially going negative. So, like, in terms of the first one that I think would be good to unpack there is downsizing the family home. So, yeah. um, are you seeing, is this a common strategy that you're seeing amongst clients and people that you know and sort of the anecdotal evidence? Is that is that what's happening? Not currently, but in my final years at the bank, this was quite a popular strategy. I was working in a suburb where... Uh, it was a demographic where people had sold off their, their put, paid off their homes, and it was their home value was nearing the million dollar mark, so they had sizable equity, and they were on a full pension because that, that was pretty much their their at their full financial position, but it wasn't enough to live on. So yeah. the option there was, and a lot were looking to downsize, but. With that, obviously, there's no tax attached to that, but there are transaction costs and then moving into a smaller place, into what area, and then obviously it may affect Centrelink because you're releasing capital that is going to be accessible. Yeah. So that is, was a, was something that I did see in this particular suburb and it was it was just more the demographic. That yeah, that. and I think what downsizing is interesting because we I'm saying with a few of my clients at the moment um, and they do – go in with every uh, expectation to have some savings out of the, the transaction. They go, yeah, great, I'm going to sell my property, I'm going to spend you know, 60% of what I sold that on for, even after stamp duty, after all these expenses. And then they start looking, they can't find what they want at that price point, and then lo and behold, we've spent as much, if not more, than what the other houses were. So, yeah. uh, so you're used to a certain style of home that's going to be in a certain price range, I guess, aren't you? I think where this works is when there's been a big family home with a big family. Mm. Um, 
that's you know four or five bedrooms and the kids have moved out and and married and you know moved start commence their own life and it's just too big of a property so that's where that would be a an option for yeah. people in that situation. I think it's almost like I learned to call it right sizing. So finding a property that's going to feel right for you and fit for purpose. Um, the great thing about this is we've got downsizer contributions available. So um, can we find some, can we find some free capital from the transaction? Yeah, you know, ideally if you're part of a couple, if we can find, you can put in up to three hundred thousand dollars each. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, get it into a tax-free environment and grow it again. So. Um, that works out quite well. The trick is finding a property that meets that need. And like I've got a couple of clients looking at the moment, it's bloody hard to find a property that, that works. And I think the clients that have done it not so well, and that's always good to talk about, um, they've gone too small. Um, they're finding, oh, we used to have two living areas. So I had two TVs and sport could be on in one and my other shows could be on in the other room. There's no sport at the moment, so it's probably less <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that those things are really think about your lifestyle in retirement because um, you need to be comfortable that this is probably you don't want to be transacting on properties multiple times in retirement. Stamp duty is horrible. Like on a million dollar property, is like fifty something thousand. So we don't want to be constantly re, you know, like relining the pockets of the state government. Yeah. Unless you, I don't know, you yeah. could do that. And the area, a lot of a lot of. Uh... People are, you know, have, are creatures of a habit, and they really like the area they're in. And this, with the prop, with property values of that size, it was, you know, not too far from the city. Um, it's what they know. Generally, if you're going to downsize, it's really reduce the size of the property or move further out. Yeah, and I think those tree change, um, like probably not a sea change, because sea change you're potentially not going to get. Increasing the value. Uh, oh, yeah, you might be sort of spending a bit more moving out to the suburbs that you're familiar with, Zachary, on the arm. Uh, <laughs> Down on the Mornington Peninsula. And God's <laughs> board or something, is it? Um, yeah, you, might, you may not be getting that saving, but I think there might be, you know, post-COVID, I think we might be seeing more people comfortable reaching out and going to regional um, areas of uh, Australia and being happy with that lifestyle because it's slower feeling because of my clients that are in living in regional Victoria are loving life at the moment thinking it's well you know they're not complaining about um the impingement to their lifestyle they're sort of happy with the pace that they're they're going at they've got space um cost of living is low as well so that all feeds into it but I think like the main thing with downsizing I think have the conversation engage your family in the in the talk as well um because they're going to be part of your life, hopefully, all going well, if you like them, <laughs> in retirement. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty important. And add plan for it as well. Don't leave yourself in with a property where you've sold your property and then then trying to find a house. Where you, yeah, that's I've got a client at the moment. We're sitting on cash trying to find a house that's appropriate. Yeah, not so not so easy to do in the current environment. And also make sure the uh, the kids are out of the house because <laughs> downsizing and they're still there that might present some problems. Garage <laughs> um, or something. So following on from one of the points you mentioned in there, Anthony too was about uh, the reverse mortgages. Um, now, do you want to touch a little bit on how a reverse mortgage works, and maybe Pete, if there are other options similar to a reverse mortgage available here yep. in Australia? Definitely, Zach. Uh, now, this is obviously just general information, but it's 
generally tapping into equity, so releasing equity that within your home. So it's, the, it's something that uh, was popular, I believe, in the 80s, Pete. Uh, well, how old do you think I am? Well, <laughs> <laughs> It was a popular for many years, but I believe uh, people are looking at it because the property prices have grown uh, substantially and cost of living has increased and, uh, you know, people aren't seeing their home as, uh, you know, equity that they can release. Uh, but you are giving the title back if you do have it, and you are starting a loan. Now, the, I believe the biggest uh, the people that might have the biggest problem with that is the kids, because <laughs> their uh, their asset is being reduced, and that's something that um, is an interesting conversation. But the retirees should all be always be looking out for number one. I think so, and I think when you but most of the because we look after a lot of multi generational families, so what what we see is if you ask your children. Providing they're reasonable human beings, <laughs> yeah. um, what the, what we're hearing from our the people I'm speaking to, um, and this is only anecdotal evidence, and I, like I don't look after millions of clients, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily a good representation of society. But um, they're saying like they want their parents to you've worked bloody hard all your life, enjoy it, like spend it on your lifestyle, make sure your life is as good as it can possibly be. We're okay. You've educated us. You've clothed us. You've fed us. Mm. You've set us on our way. Uh, we're okay. Please use the money. Um, and there might be some, uh, some families that maybe don't have that mindset. Well, back when we did the estate planning course all those years ago, the stories that were coming up, I don't think that was the main main people that pools that were coming out. It was more the opposite, Pete. But uh, you can see your clientele's on the right path. Yeah, and look, I think. Um, I think the mindset of like we've got an aging like aging population, mm. so this is more and more a problem, and we have a lot of wealth. Mm. So generally, the biggest asset most clients have, um, by and large, is their family home. Um, it's a non-income producing asset. It's capital gains tax free, which is brilliant, but it sits there unused mm. until someone enters aged care most of the time or dies. So I think we could do more with the family home to activate it as an asset and actually give people a better quality of life for longer. Um, and I get the appeal of people want to stay in their family home for as long as possible. That's the by and large what I hear. Um, so I think home care, those sort of things, hopefully they get more funding, hopefully the process for applications better because um, the wait lists are diabolical um, and it just takes a lot of time. But people want to stay in there. So why not keep a roof over your head, have control over the assets still, but access some of the growth that's happening. And property's had a remarkable run in terms of capital growth. So you're not necessarily um, upsetting, or you might still upset the kids, but um, you're not necessarily leaving them with nothing as a, in your estate. It's just accessing part of that growth that's mm -hmm. most likely going to happen if you are living in you know, most metropolitan um, areas. So I, I would I would think do it. I think the, the options there are the reverse mortgage and the traditional one. And I had a look on Finder um, before we find a .com.au just as a sort of check what the rates are roughly because this is not a, a common strategy that we utilise a lot. Um, but they're sort of ranging somewhere between like high 5%, like 5.9 up to like 7.5%. And that's gradually, so you're accessing, you know, you might have a million-dollar property. You're accessing, it goes backwards, so you're sort of eroding that value in your property uh, each year, and it keeps compounding at an increasing rate. 
So, yeah, that's the risk of the reverse mortgage. The, um, the argument, too, is that the property's um, growing at that time as well, um, usually, yeah, too. Historically, last, like, you'd had it done with over the last 20 years. You're probably not even, you're probably not, probably not still in a better net position anyway mm. because um, the property's grown at such a great rate. I think maybe those growth rates, they might be challenged in the, the new world. I don't know what, I don't know when COVID ends. Uh, hopefully this weekend. Um, yeah, there's some very, very smart people working on um, a vaccine at the moment. So, yeah, reverse mortgages, I guess the benefit is you are still got the roof over your head. So you're still in the suburb that you're comfortable with. You know your neighbours. Hopefully you like your neighbours by now because you've been there for decades. Um, you're only accessing a portion of the property because they're not going to let you borrow 100%. So you're not going to go into a position where you're in negative equity. Uh, and your estate gets a here's a bill, you know, someone, you know, the bank rolls up at your funeral and asking your kids for more money because um, the house has gone into negative equity. That's not the case. So depending on how old you are, they'll limit how much they'll lend you because, you know, I don't think any financial institution wants to be in that position where they're chasing people and sort of eroded all the value in a property. Uh, but, yeah, you can access a lump sum. You can access different chunks out of there. Um, but probably the other one, like the pension loan scheme would be one that is a very, very viable alternative at the moment and probably dealing with an institution that is hopefully more trustworthy than the banks. Yeah, so the pension loan scheme is obviously it's something that's been around for about 30 years. However, it was only um, it's only recently kind of come back to the forefront when changes were made uh, 1st of July last year um, that expanded the, con- the eligibility criteria and withdrawal amounts that... Um, people were more able to take advantage of this scheme. So do you want to run us through how it works a little bit, Pete? Yeah, so pension loan scheme, I think, is definitely underutilised. Most people hadn't heard of it or um, weren't eligible in the past. Um, but now that's really opened up. So you don't need, you just need to be age pension age, so eligible for the age pension. You don't have to actually be getting a dollar of the age pension or a full pension. Hmm. Um, so it does, it creates this... You know, you're dealing with a more friendly. Oh, actually, let me rephrase that. <laughs> you're dealing with the Department of Human Services. <laughs> so, um, in terms of, should it be a reasonable expectation that um, they're not going to try and uh, rip you off or you're going to be put in too vulnerable a position? I think that's reasonable to expect. Um, and maybe I'm, uh, a lot of people tell me I'm an, an optimist and maybe a bit naive. Times. Um, but I think it's that thing of you can get paid up to 150% of the age pension rate. So you got to think for a single person, this could create an extra $36,000 per annum, or for a couple, an extra $54,000 per annum. Mm. Think about what the average retiree spends in those ASFA studies. That goes a long way to meeting a lot of those lifestyle needs. So um, it might be an an option to explore. I guess the limitations, though, you're not going to get a, a lump sum. So if you do want a quick hit and you want to pay for that camper van that you want to go cruising around Australia because you don't want to hop on a plane on Qantas because they won't give you a space between your chairs, um, you don't want to wear a mask on a plane, camper van might be the thing for you and you need, I don't know, $75,000 to fund it. Mm. Um, pension loan scheme is probably not going to help you because you know, can only get paid similar to the way you do on a um, when you're on a government entitlement on a fortnightly basis. Mm. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's how it looks. And then, you know, the, the interest rate's a bit more friendly than the banks because um, Department of Human Services is not a for-profit 
institution. Um, so it's currently four and a half percent at the moment. So it used to be five point two five. So yeah, I, look, it's it's competitive. I, I think it's worth exploring and um, doing that. I don't know. Are you seeing many, much utilization of this, Anthony, with what you're coming yeah. across? Or? I haven't had, as of yet. <laughs> so that's something. That's one that I haven't seen one advisor use, or I haven't come across a client that needs it myself. Um, at, uh, the reverse mortgage or these situations haven't haven't seen too uh, too much. But I'd say with what we've just gone through in the coming years. The uh, many uh, people are going to have to look at a variety of options, yeah. Um, because you know the government uh, is, is you know only does provide so much in a government age pension if a client can provide that. And I think it's going to be hard to know. Can we actually rely on that in the future? Is it going to be there? I think people have. You know, there's a lot of campaigning for it, uh, and I, I I just think you want to be self-sufficient if you can possibly afford to do it. Absolutely, and then uh, superannuation balances have taken a taken a hit this year, which was, which does turn into a good balance. Good diversified portfolio should have weathered the storm, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> that is where the right advice <laughs> is. But uh, I think you just need each client needs to evaluate or what viable solutions and see what the best best fit is for them. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that um, clients should be looking for or people or listeners out there too is that if you are on the age pension um, and you're making ends meet but your lifestyle isn't great, you do have this sizable asset sitting there that you've worked hard to, to pay this asset off. Um, for most people, they're, they're living debt-free in retirement and it's there that a pension, uh, essentially with the pension loan scheme too, you're able to add on a little bit. You can choose the amount that you you take, but you could mm. be boosting your income up by a little bit a fortnight, which means a holiday each year, or you're not stressing about paying bills. I know we've done this um, for one of my clients recently, where it's taken them a few years to get comfortable with the idea of it, but they yeah. were, um, you know, not not living the life that they wanted to in retirement, but had this you know nearly a million dollar house sitting there, generating and doing nothing for them. Um, and I know the kids were going, you know, use it, use it. And it was just getting them comfortable with the idea of it. Um, and now they can have extra income coming in each fortnight, which makes things a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a mindset thing and it does take time because it's not like we spend our whole lives getting drummed into it. Own your house, own your house, the great Australian dream. Um, and I think that is, that still should be the great Australian dream because I think it's very a very powerful thing to own your own home and have that sort of peace of mind knowing regardless of what happens, I've got a roof over my head. Um, that's very, very good from a financial security uh, and peace of mind perspective. Um, but I think that next, now the next um, iteration of that might be activating that asset and utilising the growth that you've experienced over the decades of living in there um, and putting it to work. So, um, yeah, they're definitely options because they give you the ability to stay in it. Um, and I think, the, I guess, the next phase is going, well, hang on, what if it's not the right house? Uh, let's talk about that because I know... I'm experiencing that for different reasons at the moment where I've sort of bought a beautiful property and not really suitable for two kids and two dogs. <laughs> Similar things, as you go through different phases of life, your property needs change. Um, so a lot of people might have had a family home and built up mm. because they needed more space. The kids are crazy. They need a parent's retreat upstairs with a, a bedroom and a hopefully an ensuite up there because you don't want to be sharing um, a bathroom with teenagers, I imagine. So... Um, you need a bit more space, but then you go, hang on, can you get up and down these stairs 
in your 70s, in your 80s, in your 90s. Um, I think those things get challenged. And then it might be the decision that a sale of the property is the best idea. I don't know. Like, what would you be thinking of doing with those proceeds, Anthony? Like, if, if you did go to, if it was the right decision to sell the property, could there be a way to utilize that cash that you get? Like, what, what do you think you'd be doing with it? Well, first thing first, you need to work out how much you need each year. You know, and how, how what your life expectancy is, and work around those numbers. From there, I mean, you know, the superannuation industry does offer its uh, tax advantages and it and uh, Centrelink benefits, mm. but there is also you know annuities which can provide a guaranteed income return. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can keep it in the bank, but in the current interest rate and with no growth, that is not a probably a long term option. Yeah. Uh, it's, they're the they're the mainstream options. Is yeah. there any others that you? Well, I think it's a thing of I think it comes down to those, and you put that money to work, and then the decision is: do you buy another property? So do you downsize, like we were discussing before, or do you rent? So the the rental option gives you a hell of a lot more liquid assets. So you're probably going to have more flexibility. Uh, you're going to be able to put more money in investments. That's a double-edged sword. That brings satellite problems. Yeah, so you've got accessible assets. So you've got to go, well, am I a self-funded retiree or am I re- relying on a part pension or a full pension? Um, and then and really, you're also at the mercy of a, a landlord as well in that scenario. Yeah, and that's a that's the big one. of that. When we were talking before about security and peace of mind, I know from experience of renting, the, the benefits are it's flexible, but, yeah, in terms of knowing you're going to be there for years and years and years until we, you know, a lot of people have the aim of going, I want to be carted out of my home in, in a pine box or a, or some people Hessian bag, depending on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you do want that, if that, if that appeals to you and you want that certainty, you, then you need to go and find another property. And I think you need to sort of get on real estate or more domain um, before you make the decision to sell and have a real hard think about what's going to be right for you. And think about your future needs in mind of going, what if I'm in a wheelchair? What if I'm less mobile? What does the shower situation look like? Because these are common things that my clients experience where we have to do significant upgrades to especially bathrooms because they're not purpose-built for when you get older. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, one of the – well, this kind of feeds into what um, we'll talk about next of the dangers associated with it. But um, the last thing you want to be doing in your later years is obviously packing up and moving house several times. And that's where I see one of the big risks for downsizing and renting. Um, but what are some of the other risks you see with the strategies we talked about? So like a reverse mortgage and things like that. Are there dangers that people should be aware of? Well, yeah, you're taking out a line of credit on your home. Mm. And what is the what the flow and effect of that, you know? And Pete did allude to before that there are limits, but... You need to establish what is that and how how is that repaid and what's the effect of that? Yeah, you've got another, you've got you're inviting other stakeholders into your assets and that's you lose a bit of control. So you lose flexibility because when you want to go sell your property and you might need to sell it because one of one of you needs to move into aged care mm. or you might not want to live there anymore or something changes and it's no longer appropriate. Guess what? It's not just you and the your chosen estate agent and whoever you sell the property to, you're inv- you've got to deal with the bank or you've got to deal, deal with um, Department of Human Services in that decision as well. Um, and it might not be a horrible decision, but there's another person sitting at the table. So I think it adds a layer of complexity. Um, obviously, you've eroded capital as well, so you've eaten up some of your capital. Um, and all these things might not be a – I don't think it's a 
a necessarily a bad thing or a problem. It's just, I think, more probably better described as a consideration. You just need to go in, eyes wide open, and know that this is the case. Okay, well, I'm going to draw down X amount of dollars per year, and yeah, get a like if you get a piece of paper, write it out, get a calculator or Excel spreadsheet. Or if you've got a financial advisor, get them to do the hard work and get into their modeling software and plan it out and go, okay, what if I do this for 10 years? What position am I in? So just on and that, that um, Money Smart has an awesome calculator for reverse mortgages um, and pension loan scheme. You can put in the, the amounts in there. So Money Smart has a really good calculator and put it in the show notes. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's good. And I think you, you've got to do your homework beforehand. Don't go making rash decisions and just jumping in because something feels good in year one. Like, Calculate, like calculate it out because you're going to be around for a while, hopefully, uh, in most cases. So you want to make sure you're making the right decision for the long term. Um, but, look, I think people, I don't know, life is for living. So I'm all about have an awesome lifestyle. Don't, you know, don't burn your money so quickly that you're sort of, you know, 10 years into retirement, you're done. Um, retirement's generally decades and decades long now. So for a lot of sort of the clients we're seeing, they're 65, 75 still highly highly active they're doing a lot of things they're able to spend money and i think you should get it back in the economy if if not now there's never been a better time to get out there and spend money so absolutely one danger on not so much reverse mortgage but downsizing and moving is you'd want to do your homework on location of not just where you want to live just what's the what's the infrastructure like you know mm. how long does it take to get to the shopping center how long does it take to get to see your relatives and your friends and you know your social aspects and other other areas of life because a lot of people move and a lot of younger people are seeing moving to you know de- those deep suburbs and they have to still travel in for work and they're you know, in and out, an hour, an hour and a half each day, it's a lot different than when they were, say, renting a lot closer to work. Yeah. Same thing with retirement. If you're in a place where you know where you're going to be living, and sure, you'll have a lot more time, but with a lot of the suburbs and a lot of in- infrastructure increase and endless roadworks, uh, you want to make sure you're comfortable with the area and every- you've got everything within within reason. I love that. I really like that. Uh, that's, um, that's a gem because of one of my clients who have done this recently so they've moved and they were they didn't move too far they just moved into a different type of property so they had like a big family home double story one um kids have all grown up moved on so they moved into um for the victorian listeners so they're in like the st kilda area now this like really nice apartment a lot of space um a lot of space relative to apartments not like their old family home Mm. Didn't realise is how much they appreciated going out in their backyard in the old place. <laughs> now they have no backyard and the balcony is quite small. Um, so that's something that's like starting to grate on them already. Like they're, you know they're nine months into that home. Wow. So we're probably going to need to make a move at some point again, which is not wasn't the original plan because just didn't get a full appreciation for the things you did enjoy at home. Um, so I think you've really got to think long and hard about. Okay, we're going to be spending all this time together. Have make sure there's breakout spaces for both of you. If you, yeah, you know, and if it's just yourself, fine. Just make sure you've got spaces that you're going to be able to enjoy. And if you're part of a couple, breakout space is very important. We all love spouses. All of our spouses get on our nerves, and we've never known that more since February this year. So um, you're starting to feel like the property's never felt smaller. I'm sure. So I think the I think what would be a good thing to try, I know some of my clients have done this, is go and like go and rent a property on a short term lease, maybe for a month or two months, 
in an area you think you're quite interested in. So you can get absorbed in. Don't do like an, a weekend or something. You're not, not going to feel the suburb. Do that, test it out, hop on the tram. Have you got the infrastructure around you? See how far the hospitals are, like those care um, considerations. What things do you enjoy doing? I like a cafe culture. I like going out to eat. Are these things, are the amenities that I like there? Um, how noisy is it? That's another one that's crime, funny. Crime rate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and type of properties as mm. well, because I think... Um, Especially if you're moving from a house to an apartment. Yeah, well, I thought I'd... Look, well, I'm living in an apartment now, and I thought, oh, yeah, this this makes sense. And there's, you know, things that are annoying, like how do you get your groceries upstairs? Mm. Okay. Um, well, they used to come to my... Get brought up in the lift, but you can't do that during COVID. Um, so, like, all these things, I think you, the more research, more groundwork you can put in, speak to other people who are a little bit more advanced than you, like an older vintage. Um, maybe they've been through this before. Um, and depending on the situation, these are things you can prepare for 10, 15 years prior. You could be, you know, look at a, an investment property and have that have plans for that to be the retirement asset. So it's never too early to plan. No, it's never too early. It can be too late. I think you're right. Like the sooner you can start, the better, because too often people do it on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and capacity becomes an issue. You might lose the ability to make really good decisions. Um, so yeah, if you can get get the skates on, I love that. Like the investment property one. Um, so if you could, if you do have the financial resources to do that, um, especially if you're thinking of a tree change or a sea change, it might have been a holiday home, and that might be the the end game. And then the release of capital comes when you sell your family home with no capital gains tax. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the final question on this topic. Is, is there an option that's best or is it a case, um, as usual, of going, um, do your research and find what's best for each individual person? No, of course there's one that's best. No. <laughs> oh, there's always something best for, for you. I think, uh, I think it is a case of understand your situation, understand your needs, and it's going to be a different answer for everyone. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be some obvious hints for you to go, okay, this is more likely to be fit me because these are the things that are important to me. I don't know if you'd have a different approach or... Oh, it's like how long's a piece of string. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. uh, it generally you need to know what's important in your life, what you can afford and what, uh, what how we want to live, obviously, what we've just all covered, but it just depends on everyone's individual situation. Um yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, very good insight. So we might end that topic there and we'll just do a quick mailbag question. So we got a question in from Fred this week. Uh, hey guys, love the show. Quick question in light of the chaos that's happening in hey. markets and the world at the moment. Um, I have an investment bond set up for my daughter that I set up two years ago with a regular contribution going in each month. During the coronavirus pandemic, should I stop my payments and are there any risks if I do? Um, so I might get you to kick us off on that one, Anthony. Yeah, well, great question, Fred. And uh, it would all depend on has Corona affected your your employment and your income, or the other part of your financial situation, or is it going to? So you'd probably want to see if you know if you're in an industry that's you know not going to be affected too much, mm. and if if it's still got the capacity to do so, there's no reason to to walk away from that sort of investment or, or stop the payments. If, if, it, if it has affected your income or you, or you can see, you know, in your workplace, people are, you know, getting put off or, you know, there's reduction in income or anything like that, then you just need to reevaluate and you've got the capacity. 
Yeah, look, I, look, I think this comes down to what has changed. Like, what's like, what has the recent volatility changed as part of your strategy? Uh, if you weren't, if you went into this expecting ten, getting the ten years of and getting to that tax-free uh, period without volatility, I don't know who you were speaking to to help you get this investment bond, but they should have been warning you that volatility is a normal part of investing. So. Unless something that Anthony mentioned happened that your financial circumstances have changed completely, so the plan is no longer relevant. Um, but yeah, obviously this is you know, it's this is general advice. So generally speaking, I would, no, no, we're not telling clients to stop regular savings plans into any investment vehicle, let alone investment bond, uh, because this is actually a time you should be leaning into it, if anything, uh, because you want to be buying when other people are panicking and making dumb financial decisions. Um, so, and even more important than investment bond, if you do stop it for 12 months, you're going to impact your 125% rule. So that ability to keep contributing into it, you might be putting the, the brakes on that completely if you do stop for a 12-month period. So be really, really, really conscious about the decision. Um, you know, and, and maybe if, if you want to preserve the 125% rule, you could you don't have to put it into the same investment. You are really, it's causing you sleepless nights because money and investing should not be causing you stress. Yeah, that should be the, yeah, that's a no-brainer. If it is, okay. Can you temporarily put it into another investment asset class, a different type of um, investment within the investment bond still? So you're still keeping the contributions up and then keep revisiting and seeing how you're feeling because it might just be a temporary state where you're feeling stressed. The other thing I'd say is stop watching the financial news because it's um, absolutely um, serves no one any sort of useful purpose. Um, so you want to be doing that because then that preserves it and also you're not sort of putting any more of that money potentially into volatile markets if that's what you want to do yeah that's a good um, point you can still contribute um without putting into that the growth asset and making sure then you're keeping your 125 percent rule ticking along yeah i look i know i think that might be worth worth exploring but if nothing's changed your strategy shouldn't change either because don't be put off by um yeah, a bit of volatility in markets. I think this is, if anything, see it as an opportunity and embrace it. Perfect. Well, I think that just about wraps us up for today's episode. So as usual, if you've got any questions, um, hit us up on any of our socials or email us at connect at Um Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, Anthony, for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, see you Pete. all next week.